This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Hope you're doing well out there from wherever you are tuning in from across the globe. I appreciate you listening. The interview subject or the conversation, they're conversations. The conversation I've got prepared for you is with a fellow from Melbourne. He's a guitarist and vocalist extraordinaire and his name is Andrew Hudson. He's got his own group, the rather excellent Harlot. They had an album out last year called Detritus of the Final Age. I'm getting into it lately. I missed it the first time around, but I'm inspired by his recent inclusion in Desecrator to go back and check out Harlot's album Detritus of the Final Age. But uh, yeah, I suppose I was inspired to reach out to, to Andrew because of a an Instagram follower who hit me up and said, hey, love the conversation that you had with Riley Strong of Desecrator. Why don't you have a chat to Andrew as well? So I reached out to Andrew and he thought it was a good idea too. So I'm grateful. So thank you very much, Daniel, down there in Melbourne for giving me the idea to reach out to Andrew. Andrew's a top fella. We talk about, well, COVID. What else can we bloody talk about these days in Australia with uh, the Eastern Seaboard going into let's just call it perennial lockdowns. So we talk about that up top, but then of course we discuss the Desecrator album, one of the contenders for album of the year, Summoning, and also what's going on in Harlot. So here he is, Andrew Hudson from Harlot and Desecrator. There he is. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you doing? Good. What, what's happening tonight? Are they, are they, is there a curfew after nine or something like that? Oh yeah, there's a, there's a 9 p.m. We're back <sighs> on that. Don't get me started. Don't get me fucking started. You know, I mean, see, I seriously hope that the next state elections of the three assholes that run the Eastern Seaboard get just punished. They are fools. They are liars, and they do this for political expediency. I think, at least with Gladys Berejiklian in New South Wales, there was an attempt there. But you know, this zero sum game that they are playing, playing meaning zero cases of community transmission that Australia and New Zealand are playing, which is a model nowhere else in the world, as far as I'm aware, is is, is following, is you know, how, the, how the hell can we have zero community transmissions? It's like saying ban the flu. Uh, well, um, unfortunately, they kind of committed themselves to the course of action because they went so hard last year. Um, they can't this year be like, oh, maybe we overreacted because then, you know, they've got five months of lockdowns to... Um, to admit that they overreacted, so they they need to stay the course for their own, uh, I guess, integrity, uh, while the rest of the world's just kind of accepted, um, you know, the mortality rate as what it is. Well, it, it should from day one. It should have been if you have a comorbidity, whatever that might be, mean if you're uh, elderly and frail, if you're in a nursing home, we will do everything we can to protect you, but you need to protect yourselves. As for the rest of you, we've got, we've got an economy to tick over. The, the, the issue here, it's it's the small businesses, the bans, anybody who's trying to do things without government, direct government intervention and assistance has just been punished. Now, yeah. we're going into the second year of it. I mean, what about you guys? You're, you're in two killer bands who have had prob- probably one of the albums of the year this year in, in Summoning and an excellent album last year. You haven't been able to play. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can you do? Cancelled, um, you know, cancelled a couple of festivals in Europe, cancelled tours, cancelled organisations, delayed releases. Um, yeah, 
My but point the, is, they don't the give a shit. You, you, you literally are not. You're not. You're not part of the political profile that actually gets a look in on these things. So no decisions will ever be made for the musicians. None. Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, the government doesn't make any money off me um, for the, for that endeavour, and you know, it's. The sun, the sun will continue to rise whether or not I do it or not. So it's, yeah, we're, we're just not important in the, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. We come yeah. fairly low down that list. Uh, but does that, for you, does that make it, and I've spoken to Riley about this, but, I mean, how long, how much longer are we going to continue doing this? It could go on for years. And what does that mean for you as a working musician then? Is it is it going to come to a point where you just go, look, I'm just going to release music and not even try to tour off it, which means I can't raise enough revenue to... Yeah, well, I mean, the the beautiful thing about, uh, particularly as an Australian band, um, you know, making revenue out of this was never really on the cards. Um, you know, uh, going yeah. overseas to, to tour your product was a, a good way of increasing your exposure and increasing, you know, your sales and, and getting things to a much more, um, you know, I won't say profitable point, but there was at least, you know, a greater intake of, of sales and, and all that. But it's it's not like, you know, I'm I'm not at a level where I'm losing, you know, a, a source of income as much as I'm losing a source of expenditure. Um, and, I, you know, we were a long way away from being a, you know, a, a sort of, you know, anyone's um, day job. So, hmm. you know... It, if anything, it's forced me to just sit home and save money. Um, and it just, you know, it, it, it changed how, you know, it changed your mentality. You know, you couldn't just go and play shows to get your music out there. So you had to think of other ways to make sure people were going to know that it existed because we relied, you know, uh, with Harlot. The first time we went to Europe with Annihilator, you know, every single night was playing to full rooms of people that had never heard of who we are. And mm. so, you know, those were really formative kind of shows. Um, and the hope is now that we don't have to do that because we're not going to be able to for a very long time. And, you know, whilst COVID might not last for much longer, uh, it won't be long before the next um, sniffle or, um, you know, throat lurgy uh, forces, again, you know, mm. nationwide lockdowns. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to cost a fortune to travel overseas after this anyway. So what can yeah. you do? I had a... Yeah, it does. But did you, did that have, obviously it had an effect, but when I say noticeable effect, how much of an effect did it have on you being able to spread the good word about the treatise of the modern age? Um, I I was really stoked that it didn't, um, it didn't, I, I didn't feel like it impacted it too much. Um, like, you know, obviously with Mabel, major label like backing and support, they've got, a, you know, an incredible marketing team behind them. And, um, you know, because of the way the internet works and because of how, you know, services like Spotify work, um, you know, people that had liked the other albums, uh, you know, all the fans that we'd slowly picked up anytime it had featured on a playlist and someone had clicked, I don't know, pr- I don't know how Spotify works at all, but, I'm, you know, we, we gradually <laughs> pick up more fans and people who listen to that yeah. kind of music will get shown it when it comes out. So, um, you know, compared to how the other albums have gone, um, uh, Detritus has been our, our most successful release, you know, in regards to streams and sales and, you know, people listening to it. And, you know, we've played maybe two shows since it came out, yeah. um, you know, entirely within, you know, <laughs> one suburb of Melbourne. So, 
uh, you know, ooh, don't worry about that. That was my alarm for this. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it affected us too much uh, negatively at all, really. Um, I think we managed to just have enough of, um, you know, enough of a presence in the world and enough of, a, you know, the right people know who we are that, you know, when we release something, uh, people manage to listen to it and they manage to get their ears around it. And, you know, the people who do listen to it and like it are very loud and they go out of their way to tell their friends and, you know, that's that makes my life a lot easier. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't ideal, but, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, given the grand scheme of things, uh, the album did quite well. Last time we had a chat, you wouldn't remember, no doubt, but it was about four years ago. And uh, I was I was very impressed with what I heard on Extinction. And you were one of the bands that I constantly use when I was talking to people about what I call a renaissance in Aussie metal because I'm 43 and I've been around a while, constantly been into the genre. I ebbed and flowed, you know how it is, but there were years there where it wasn't that good, to be honest with you. But I, I, when I, I thought with you guys and Aversion's Crown, very different bands, of course, but leading lights of the genre, and that's my point. You know, you guys at the top of that nouveau thrash thing that's going on at the moment, you know, this post-trivium thing that's happening with Desecrator and Harlot and um, with what, um, I can't say Mark Pointer anymore because he's not in the band anymore, but Aversion's Crown with the Deathcore thing, I thought, and definitely Thy Art is Murder. We, we were moving into an area where it could either be a bubble or it could be something resembling like a set of waves if you're a surfer. But I think it's a set of waves. So, and you've just proved it with with this album here. So it's it's awesome to hear that your new album. You didn't have to tour for it to be a success because you had that momentum behind you, and you had the roll gold quality in the riffs still. So, I mean, I think it just allows you to be in a position where conceivably this these lockdowns are going to continue for the next five to seven years. Okay, so you probably got two or three more albums in you through that period, but it's not going to cruel your opportunity. And just to double back on a point that you made about you know, the financial side of totally, I mean, anybody who's trying to make money out of heavy metal when they're an Australian band is, <laughs> is, I don't know, just go and see a go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something. But um, the point is, there is another type of currency. There's that spiritual currency. You have to do this, don't you? You probably at this point have no choice, especially given given the the move into Desecrator. Um, look, that's, you know, it's, it's been, I've accepted it for a really long time that this was just kind of, uh, what my life was going to involve. And I'm, I am at least glad that, you know, this is, you know, what's happening in the world right now is happening, you know, my ripe old age of 31. Um, cause you know, in my early twenties, this would have killed me in my early twenties. I was, I was hungry and desperate and, and just wanted people to hear, you know, what we, what we were doing. And it would have, it would have killed me to have released our debut album. And then for to not be able to do anything with it, um, that would have devastated me. So I am, I am very fortunate that we're in the position that we are in. That I didn't need to, you know, hit the road and uh, pedal my wares. So mm. you know, but yeah, that that sense of <laughs> this is what I have to do. It's just yeah. So much of my life has has been built around the fact that this was just something I always accepted. It was a really large part of the person that I am. And this was something that I was, uh, not only something that I consider I'm reasonably good at, but something that I was, um, you know, quite enjoyed. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. is popping her head in to say hi. Oh, good. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) 
She won't uh, respond. <laughs> she's, she's got shy now. She's made her point now. She's yeah, she's built it's all right. I don't do too many uh, non-one-on-one podcasts, so I don't think I've done like two or three ever. You'll, you'll appreciate it decorating behind me, though. I do. Is it? What's that? An antelope or something like and that? Is a gazelle, zebu. I've got no idea. It's a, it's a it's a skull and it's on my it wall. It looks cool. And they're everywhere in the house now, <laughs> and none of them were mine. <laughs> hey, with with the your your. Uh, Moving into Desecrator, I, I spoke to Eric Rutan about this because he'd been around the guys in Cannibal for years, and now he is a member of Cannibal. But you're in a similar position. Hmm. Did did you have to adopt a different mindset when you were recording summoning than what you would typically take into with Harlot? I I had to adopt my like one of my favourite mindsets ever um, because after like after running Harlot for as long as I had, and, and you know I'm not. I'm not the dictator that everyone will tell you that I am. I'm reasonably easygoing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm always open to ideas and opinions, but it's just, uh, you know, I've found that when you've got the idea and you've got the drive, um, it's easy to just kind of make things happen, um, you know, at your own pace. Um, so joining Descray, one of the best things about it was the fact that I wasn't in that position anymore. I wasn't the boss of that band. And it was really nice to just be in a position where it was like, you know, here's what you need to wear, here's what you need to play, that's where you stand, you know, rehearsals of this, like didn't have to organise anything, just got to kind of experience riding along with a band as a as a musician for a change, as instead of being like the face of it or the, um, you know, the, the mastermind behind it. So, hmm. um, I, like, I like to think it didn't take too much adjusting for me because I loved, because I loved the change because it was a really refreshing uh, way for me to be and it was it was cool to be, it had been a really long time since I'd been in rehearsal rooms with, you know, other bands. Um, you know, obviously when I was younger, I used to haul myself out to anyone who'd give me the time of day. But, um, you know, it was cool to just be in a, another group of musicians to kind of, you know, gel with them in different ways to, uh, you know, because, you know, every every musician that you play with uh, in your entire life, some of, them you'll, some of them you'll click with, some of them you'll have a bit of hard time. You know, making the oh god, yeah, the square thing fit through the round hole. But yeah, it, like you can always get it together. But sometimes, sometimes it's effortless how well you can kind of you know that that inner metronome mm. that you've got will just line up with what everyone else is doing in the room. And um, it was really nice to kind of you know that was one of the first experiences in my life where stepping into a room with three other people. Um, and it was just I just felt like I was straight on that page with them, and um, everything kind of made sense. Um. And yeah, it was nice to, it was nice to just be kind of being like, I felt like I was being along for the ride a bit. And when it came to writing, it was the the same thing. When it came to writing, came to recording, it was kind of like, I was very aware that, you know, you know, this, you know, this was another man's dream. It was another man's idea. It was another man's vision. And I was like, you know, tell me what that vision is. Tell me what that idea is. Talk to me about that dream so that I can help facilitate it. So I can bring what I have into that and help kind of, you know, uh, help steer that ship because it's, you know, if you've got four captains on a boat, uh, you're going to hit icebergs. Um, but if you've got, you know, if you've got like a really solid, what was it like mission statement for your band? Like if you've got a really yeah, good sure. idea of what you're doing and everyone's, everyone's on Great that page of what, yeah. If everyone knows what needs to be done, that's, and I think that was cool. It was nice to be able to step into a thing and not have to, not have to be like, all right, didn't have to think through every part of it, just needed to ask the questions like, here's what I need to know so that I can, uh, you know, help form this music, help, you know, uh, you know, 
bring things into the recording process or have ideas about how we should track certain things or edit certain things or um, mm. you know, even just produce the songs. So it was a it was a significant shift in mentality, but I loved I loved the change. I enjoyed uh, the shift. <laughs> did did many riffs from Final Age did carry over? Did they um, end up on summoning? Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I don't like I don't like to talk about this too because I'm a, I'm a aggressive one trick pony. Um, there was you know there's songs that I helped, um, you know the rest of Desecrator write. So there's songs that we you know worked on in a room, and a lot of my song smithing ideas, um, kind of like I went here's a really good way of transitioning from A to B. Um, unfortunately, when I write Harlot songs, I do that as well. So there's definitely sections of detritus um and sections of summoning that you will hear like just similar ideas they're not the same riffs they're not the yeah. same you know notes but there's like definitely a you know i can t- <laughs> i can always tell the bits that i had a hand in because i go oh that's that kind of that's that progression that i've definitely used a couple of times mm. um but there is on summoning there is a song that i uh wrote a, a vast majority of and that was fun for me because i i wrote it with Desecrator in mind. And I'd been a fan of the band since I first saw them. Like I've been following, you know, I've, I, w- I admired Riley. Um, and then I got to know Riley and then me and Riley became really close friends. And then we mm. would, you know, we were like industry mates talking about, talking about like all the little stuff that goes behind what we had to do on stage. Cause um, you know, me and him were, you know, running kind of parallel courses. So he was a really great sounding board. And um, so, you know, joining that band, it was great to write a song, but for another, for another musical vehicle. So rather than thinking about what I would normally do, thinking about being like, what would this band do in this situation? Like, how would they put this song together? How would they join these two parts together? Um, you know, basing all of it on my love for their live album that came out 10 years ago, uh, recently. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. But yeah, there's right. definitely a bit of carryover between those two records. <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't know whether I'm familiar enough with both of the bands to be able to pick which moments, but I could could definitely say what was the name of the album before Summoning? Sorry, I I, I think I reviewed it. Oh, I the Gallows. Gallows to the Gallows. Gallows or to the Gallows. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's a quantum leap. Sorry, my camera will turn back on in a second, does it every half an hour. Um I'm not going to say it's a quantum leap, but I think the difference between the two could be likened in a way to the difference between Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Now, I, I heaped the praise on the album when I spoke to Riley, but being a humble guy, I know you will be too, no doubt, but he sort of didn't take a lot of it. He just sort of didn't sort of acknowledge a lot of it, but I think it's one of those albums, and I think it's fantastic that you can bring your what I call intellectual property into Desecrator because it means that we have, and work with me when I say say this, but a world-class heavy metal band in Australia, because I just call you guys heavy metal. It's, you can, people can use yeah. the descriptors, you know, the genre descriptors as they want. I know that they are important. I'm not dismissing them, but I just think you, like, you wouldn't call Metallica a thrash band. You probably wouldn't have called them a thrash band in 88, but you'd call them a heavy metal band because they're sort of, they transcend the genre. But I think with your addition into the band, I think that's what's happened to Desecrator. And I think you were the last piece of the puzzle, if you like, that actually gives us a band coming out of Australia that, you know, when I say trivium, 
if you're given mm. the opportunity to the markets that Trivium have access to with the type of support that they've had access to, you know, I know you're with Metal Blade with Harlan, but with the sort of push that they got through Monty and Roadrunner, fucking Desecrator could actually do it if we ever get out yeah. of this. Do, do you feel the same way? I, I think, you know, we were all, you know, it, and like you'll, you'll heap praise onto people like Riley and it's, it's difficult for him and it's, you know, it's always difficult for musicians to hear that praise just because we spent so long recording it and writing it and listening back to it that by the end, by the time the product's finished, we usually hate a large amount of it. Um, and we all, you know, we focus on the negatives. Um, you know, we, we, we just hear those bits that didn't quite come out the way we wanted to. Um, but you know, that, you know, it's, I was, I was freak out when I listened to, when I listened to summoning from start to finish and I realized like it's 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 quite an adventure of a record. Like every song's doing its own thing. Like it's all it's a cohesive album, but every single song brings its own little kind of idea and and um, mm. you know theme to the table. And so you can listen to that album from start to finish. It's not fatiguing. It doesn't drag. It's not lagging. It's you know every song's got a a kind of fresh idea. And you know we we definitely thought that you know it was something that was um, you know worth pitching to to labels but uh, you know the the world's gone to shit no one's going to throw money at things no one's going to risk things yeah. at the moment so you know we you know we just decided we were going to have to do it ourselves did did you the know. thought ever cross your mind to use some of the connections that um bought the deal to with metal blade to fruition with desecrated did, did oh, it, I, I think- mean yeah, you I know think Metal Blade I mean. have had a Metal Blade have had a. We've already got an Australian thrash band mentality for the last five years. So, <laughs> much to the chagrin of um, many of my, you know, local counterparts, I think we kind yeah. of. Um, I definitely think we kind of sullied the waters there. <laughs> we've uh, we've taken that slice of what little pie they had for Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. They gave it to us, and they're they're not really interested in expanding much here. Because um, I do, I do I, you know, they're they're a great great bunch of people and they love heavy metal and so if you give them something if you go this is you know this is a band from you know Ballarat or something have a listen to this um they will they will have a listen to it and they will come back to you with quite genuine opinions um but you know they just they're not in a position to make kind of you know gambles at the moment yeah so, yeah, yeah I definitely do use my connections and I do it for I do it for you know bands that I'm in or bands that I'm close with or, you know, even people that have the the chutzpah to ask me a favour. And, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to do that. But, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just the wrong time. Globally, yeah. it's fucked. It's all bad. I'm, I'm hearing you. Yeah, I'm hearing you. What, what, what do you think it was, just on that, what do you think it was about what you were doing with Harlan? Because they're your riffs. I know that. I wish I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Yeah. But, People ask, they go, what's the, you know, how did you do it? What's the, what's the secret? What's the key? I just did, I just did what I wanted to do and it, I lucked out for me. It absolutely just, I don't know. The right person liked what we were doing. Yeah. And, you know, and they ran with it. So, you know, it's fortunate, you know, we would have, I'd have been I'd have been writing the same music and releasing the same albums regardless of of anyone's interest. So I'm I'm just fortunate that you know at some point someone's picked it up. But I genuinely mm-hmm. don't know what it is. You know that yeah those, those are my riffs. Those are <laughs> my riffs, my ideas, my lyrics, um, my songs. Um, just yeah, I suppose you just, bottle it. You suppose you bottle it if you could, but you just who knows? Yeah. If I had any idea, you know, 
Is your, is your idea? Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. Is your biggest territory the United States? Um, I think so. That's you know, I, I mean, if I look at Spotify numbers, yes. Our, you know, every you know, our most most people that listen to us on a daily basis are in America. Um, is that is that like a, a, approaching fifty percent though? That sort of thing. They're I'd American and. It's definitely like a, it's it's a good chunk of it. It's um you know they're they're like their daily listeners are you know at least twice of the next nearest country usually. It's news usually you you know you mm. United States, Germany, UK, Mexico. Yeah. Um, Australia gets in there eventually. Um, funnily enough, our most popular town is I think in Chile. The capital of Chile has got Santiago. the most most people. Yeah, yeah. Santiago, yeah. Santiago, Santiago yeah. Chile is um, the city with the most uh, daily listeners. So America's spread yeah. everywhere, but everyone in Chile. <laughs> I've got I've got the same issue where my my domestic or I'm, my, my podcast listenership is growing, but my domestic audience share is shrinking. I have Fantastic. less less than ten percent of people who listen come from Australia, and there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. I've tried advertising to the Australian market and stuff. It's just, I don't know, one of those things. We we struggle know. to sell stuff to Australia because our distribution barely covers the country, and um, you know all the because we do you know obviously it's our hometown. Melbourne's full of uh, lovely people that have been following us from the start, and there's a couple of you know those those mega fans that just. They come to every show. They, they, you know, they love you a lot. You're their own son. Um, you know, those those people pre-ordered our albums. They spent obscene amounts of money on shipping, and it took uh, it took an eternity for them to get over it. And you feel bad, like you know, it's really hard for us to actually service the Australian market with a uh, physical media, just by having a you know yeah. American founded European based label. But look, I'll finish by saying congratulations on look the two albums. Okay, I mean it. I mean, I actually think. Think summoning on. Let's talk about this year. It might be the album of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, and you're a part of that, of course. You're a big part of that. So, congratulations for that. And long Thank may you, you continue much. to produce killer heavy metal. I appreciate it, man. I'll do my best. All right, there he is, a fellow Andrew, Andrew Hudson from Harlot and Desecrator. Hope you enjoyed that conversation because I certainly enjoyed the chat with Andrew myself. If you like what you heard, go across to scarsandguitars.com. I'm updating more and more content as the days and weeks go by. A lot of old stuff that I'm reposting, but I'm putting a bit of an archive tag on it. I've been doing this for about four and a half years at this point, so I'm going over a lot of my contributions to other websites and repurposing them for this one here because Metal Obsession, if you're in Australia, isn't really an active website from the looks of things anymore. And I've done, I don't know, might have done 100 or so contributions. So I'm making sure that they live a life beyond potentially the end of that website, if that is indeed what is happening. Anyway, if you do enjoy it too, if you can like, subscribe, share, all of that bullshit. If I don't ask, you won't potentially do. So I appreciate it if you could do that. I hate doing it, by the way, because, you know, it's implied. I don't really need to ask, but a social media expert said, you don't do that and you need to do that. So I'm doing it. What else is there? Nothing. It's Saturday. It's 24 past 12 p.m. It's a beautiful day here on the Gold Coast. I might go outside and do some yard work after I've completed the rest of my 
the editing that I've got to do and all the other conversations that I've got coming up. Been a bumper week this week, it has been. So anyway, my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. It's goodbye for now.